Hello and welcome to Tall Tales and Short Stories. I'm Tony. And I'm Tim. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Yes. Um, and some of the stuff we cover is alleged. Allegedly. <laughs> we allegedly cover alleged things. Allegedly. Let's see, that's what now? Seven times I've lost track. <laughs> if this is a drinking game, we're... It's, no, Goodbye, sorry, liver. <laughs> oh, God. It has been forever and a day since we've been back in the quote-unquote studio. Yeah, peek behind the curtain. Uh, <laughs> holidays kicked off pre- after our last episode, so... We haven't seen each other for, like, what, a couple months now? Yeah, it's been at least two and a half, three months now. It's been! Oh, my God. No. Hey, it's hard Copyright. not to make the reference. Copyright. <laughs> <laughs> we don't make that kind of money yet. No, Allegedly. Gotta have fun with it. Oh, uh, what was our last topic even about? We talked about the the granny killer herself, Nanny Dawes. Oh, yeah, you were trying to creep me out with serial killers. I yep. forgot about it. And that was only episode five, so remember, every fifth episode... I'm going to cover a killer, and Tony's going to be weirded out. And I'm just going to talk about frogs. <laughs> uh, fuck you. <laughs> uh, well, since we were so up in the air for a while about actually getting back and doing more episodes, I feel like that might be a good segue into our next episode, episode six. Episode six. Who are we talking about today? Well, it's going to be quite pleasant. Pleasant? Point Pleasant. Oh, no. Not the him. The Mothman. Ah! The Mothman! Oh, good lord. I did <laughs> probably two and a half hours of studying and, and you know, late minute or last minute reading about old Mothy. Oh, just like college. Yeah, just, you know, like high school, college, middle school, all my normal studying habits. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to try to play. Oh, I was a great. No, I was a horrible student. Well, we both were. I was a I was a horrible student. I would I would work on it for like a week. I like, you know, the big 20 page papers. Oh, you can do it that was, overnight. That's, that's a page an hour. Nah, well, I wasn't going to do that. It's two pages for every, you know, and you get <laughs> done in 12 hours. Easy, you know, problem uh. solved. Oh, man. Talk about sleepless nights and anxiety and mental breakdowns. And Red Bull. Ugh. I'm glad I wasn't on Red Bull. You already know my natural energy. Oh, Back then, Jesus. I did not need that. What were we talking about again? Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get off topic, yes, Mothman. Uh, so what all do you know about the Mothman in a Cliff Notes edition? Let's see. Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Uh-huh. Big, big, scary, glowing red eyes. And then the bridge. That's all I remember. Cool. Alrighty. Well, let's start at the beginning then. <clears throat> Where else do you start? <laughs> and on that note, the episode's over. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, so, the two main rivers, Point Pleasant is actually very close to the West Virginia-Ohio border. Uh-huh. And it's actually in the Ohio Valley. Oh. Of- so it's a it's a whole little thing. It's sort of like the backwoods of, you know, Arkansas, Tennessee area. It's bordered by the Ohio and the Kanaha Kanawha River. Populations five thousand, six thousand people or so. Okay, I Point Pleasant. I grew up in a town about that size, yeah, so I can I can I can relate to the size of that town. It's a small town, uh, but obviously Point Pleasant has been around 
a lot longer than the 1960s when Mothman was around. Yeah. It was actually a major area for the Shawnee and, uh, God, my writing is terrible sometimes. I think the Mingo tribe, M-I-N-G-O. Mingo. B-I-N-G-O. And Mingo was his name. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but anyway, those are the two main tribes that were in the Ohio Valley. And then, you know, white people. Yeah. Uh, always with the white people. <clears throat> white people, man. Settlers, colonizers started settling there, started doing the typical col- colonial thing. Yeah. It all came to a head at the Battle of Point Pleasant. The uh, U.S. military was led by uh, Colonel Andrew Lewis, wiped out a majority of the native population in that area. Three years later, after relocations and everything sort of hit the fan with the Native American people, Chief Cornstalk um, of the Shawnee tribe came to uh, Fort Randolph, which was in Point Pleasant, um, and came on a diplomatic mission with his sons to basically broker a peace treaty and broker, you know, we'll take this side of the valley, you take this side sort of thing. White people. They they got they got land greedy. Well, you know they no they just killed his sons and him and hung them and it, it's great great fun white people. Oh yeah, but allegedly in um, his dying breaths, Chief Cornstalk cursed Point Pleasant and the land around it, basically the Ohio Valley. Yeah, and then it just sort of fades out from there. And that was I believe mid eighteen hundreds or so. So we have a big gap in time until the next sort of major block in the events of the Mothman and everything. So I believe it was in the 1930s, the town of Point Pleasant was destroying, you know, demolishing a uh, elementary school to, I I assume, make way for a new one. Um, And they actually found a playbill and a script from a 1923 play under the school, like in the basement sort of area of it. Ah, interesting. And it mentions Chief Cornstalk and this alleged curse he placed on the land, and that's sort of where everything stems from, is this little playbill and this alleged cursing that happened back in the 1800s. Okay, okay. So, the first sighting of Mothman of any way, shape, or form was a couple years Back in 1914, couldn't find a whole lot of information about the very first sighting other than the guy's description of had red feathers, big 12, 14 foot wingspan. Mm-hmm. So we're in the TNT area of where Mothman is lo- known to lurk. And yeah. We'll get more into that in a minute, what TNT area means and what all that entails. Uh-huh. But between... 1913 and 1937, I know I'm going back and forth with the years a little, but establishing the setup for the big big baddie. Nothing wrong with that. The Ohio River floods four different times in those 20 years. It had never been recorded as flooding beforehand. 20 or so years, four major, major floodings, like at least 5, 10 feet excess over the riverbanks. And then... We skip ahead about 50 years right up to the brink of the 60s, late 50s. A uh, professor, James Gay Jones, uh, from Glenwill State College, 
started documenting these local sightings of a large bird, man, creature thing in his book, Haunted Valley and More Folk Tales of Appalachia. So this is 1950s, like yeah, late 50s, late early 50s. 60s of a of a winged creature. So that's already. Yeah, he'd start documenting the very first few cases. So from 1914 to about 1959, 60, there was a handful. I think there was a I think they said about 10 or 15 in the documentary I watched and just reading through everything. Not a whole lot, nothing real substantial. Mm. But then the 60s roll around, specifically 1966, Mothy hits the fan and goes hard for about two years. Or Mothy goes to the lamp. Mothy goes to the lamp. I love lamp. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, brick. I was, I'm not going to get you. I've been waiting to throw that reference in somewhere. (laughs) Oh, man. So that's sort of the build up to the creature and all the descriptions, all the eyewitness accounts from the from sixty six prior. Uh huh. We'll we'll just call it that frame sixty six before. Yep. Um, also ran with the same description. You know, big red, gray, black sort of feathers or wings, anywhere from an eight to a fifteen foot wingspan. Bipedal, anywhere from I think the shortest was six foot to up to nine foot. Okay. A little bit of range, but not a pretty concentrated range. Yeah. And that and there's our height for the there's our height for the episode. Right. <laughs> so we'll start off with the first documented eyewitness count of sixty six was in November first, sixty six. There was a National Guardsman that was on post at one of the armories nearby the TNT area, which is also known as the McKintic Wildlife Management Area. So it's kind of one of those weird, not supposed to go there kind of places because military, but also it's a wildlife management area. So it was kind of an odd place. Okay. But he witnessed this alleged creature fly by as he was on at post. Couldn't really find any descriptions other than the same sort of thing. You know, six to nine foot tall, big wingspan, flew by, couldn't really catch a whole good glimpse of it. Yep. Yeah. Flew by. I'm assuming this was at night, too. Yes. It was dusk. And most of these encounters, just for frame of reference, I think all but one of these encounters that I have were at nighttime. At least 8 p.m. or later. There was one daytime account that I saw, and it happened about 1 p.m. So pretty much everything happened at night. And a lot of these encounters actually happened in November of 66 specifically. Like, they had a timeline on this documentary I watched, and there was probably 20. Woo! The first, the first 20 or so encounters all happened in the first two weeks of November. So when Mothy went hard, he went hard. Man. He didn't hit the lamp. He rammed the lamp. So Mothman was definitely looking to get everything done before Thanksgiving. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Second major encounter I, I could read up on with anything actually happened 80 miles away from Point Pleasant. Oh. So he traveled a little bit. Well, if you can fly. Yeah. But um, it happened in, good Lord, again with my writing, Clendenin, West Virginia. 
Mountain Mama, take me home. Oh, my God. Copyright. Hey, I'm not going 15 seconds over. We're fine. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> but Clarendon... What? Clendenin. Clendenin. Clendenin, West Virginia. Tenenemen? <laughs> we'll have to explain that joke in, the, in between the episodes. We'll, we'll, we'll explain that joke later, everybody. Happened about 80 miles away from Point Pleasant. There was uh, four grave or cemetery workers actually digging a grave. Um, and they saw it fly by and then come back around and like perch on one of the uh, mausoleums and then take right back off. So, same thing. Big red eyes, you know, big saucer red eyes, terrifying. Huge wingspan, bipedal, seven, eight foot tall. I, I will give West Virginia this with this Mothman. They're nothing if not consistent with description. Absolutely. And I would, I'd be freaked out if I saw a... Oh, that'd be ju- terrifying. I mean, Especially in a cemetery I, at night. It's, and mm. with the wings up. Like, have you ever seen an owl yeah. with its wings and out? that's like, how they described it. It was sort of like... That's te- like perched. Wing, wings up, feathers puffed, truly just like ready to throw down. Seeing something that, seeing something like that, but human-sized, again, yeah. with glowing red eyes, mm-hmm. I'd be pissing myself. Yeah, I would be like, I'm glad I'm a grave digger because this is where I'm going to be dead. <laughs> Convenient. I'm already in a hole. Exactly. And I'm going to segue a little bit off Mothman right now. But West Virginia also, with the Mothman is also pretty well renowned for their UFO accounts. Aha! And the UFO accounts really started ramping up about 55 with, I think you might know this monster, the Flatwoods monster. Oh boy, we'll talk about that one. That's a good one. That's another good one. But there was a theory that the UFOs started showing up right before the Flatwoods monster showed up. And then five years later, six or five or ten years later, Mothman starts showing up with the same things right before. And UFOs start showing up a little more frequently. So, the theory is that that might be some sort of connection. The biggest U- or biggest connection to the Flatwoods monster was a gentleman. I can't. I didn't write his name down. They reiterated or retold his story. And it just seemed so bonkers to me. So, I'll run it by you. You tell me what you would have done because this is not what I would have done in this scenario. Okay. The guy is watching TV in this 1955 in West Virginia, watching TV with his wife. Their dog starts barking outside, and their TV gets, starts getting like a high-pitched whine, mm-hmm. like that that uh, fuzz, but a high-pitched. Like changing on like a radio dial or something. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yep, yep, yep. Starts getting louder and louder to the point where they're covering their ears. The tube in the TV poof, blows, like blows out the screen, glasses on the ground, Ugh. on the floor in front of them. Dog is still barking like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. Guy runs outside. Soon as he hits the door, that dog just takes off into the fields. And he said the only thing out that direction was an old pump house for uh, water, water stands. Yeah. He looks out that direction where the dog goes, and there's two red lights. Not eyes, but they're like circulating around each other. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a floating saucer, you know, turning. Yeah. He sees those. He's calling for the dog. Like, he's not, hey, bandit. Like, he's just yelling for the dog to get back in. Yeah. The two lights sort of hover a little bit, and they sort of slow down a little bit, and they start going up in there, and then they just take off. Away. 
Never never finds the dog. Dog is never found. Oh. I know, right? That's the worst part of the story. <laughs> it's he like, goes back in. His wife is, you know, sweeping up the TV remains. And they just go to bed. It's like this is, it's like, it, this makes me think of that. This makes me think of immediately that there's a website that says, does the dog die? Right. And like, this is very much in that Why case. Why didn't like, you John Wick this, sir? Exactly. Like, where'd the dog go? What happened to the dog? I want to know what happened to Bandit. I'm going to cry now. The dog's name was actually Bandit. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah. Now I'm sad. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't, I, that would not have been what I would have done in that situation. No, I would have, no, I, let me guess. You would have grabbed your gun and gone out to look for the dog to make sure the dog was okay. I'm afraid that dog may have had to take that hit for me. I think I would. I think I would have just got the gun and then just hid in the house uh, at the door, waiting. Just I wouldn't all... have just gone like, "Yeah, there's some weird lights outside. I'm tired. I'm going to bed." No. <laughs> I'm just. A, I'm a going to bed waiting there for uh, whatever done did that make them uh, red lights up there. That's about how he sounded too, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> not dissing an accent i'm just saying that's what he sounded that's like. just how that's that's how some states some states back east sound like that yep i have i'm not i've not ever and i haven't even seen what you were talking about i just threw that out of my ass yeah <laughs> it was it was on amazon it was wasn't the mothman prophecies because that was a 2002 movie yeah that was a movie and they actually touch on it in this documentary but it was type in mothman i think it's like the first thing that pops up okay okay so I'll do one more encounter of the third kind sort of thing that happened on uh, November 2nd. Yeah, I know, right? November 1st, November 2nd. You could do a day-by-day account. We're keeping everything consistent here. Allegedly. <laughs> y- y'all can't see our y'all can't see my face cuz this is an audio podcast, but I'm just giving Tony a look, just like a a stern stone flat face look, just Really, mother? We got enough allegedly's in here. That's nine. <laughs> what was I talking? Oh, yeah. We're going to November 2nd. November 2nd. <laughs> so, set the scene again. Dark Highway in West Virginia, Highway 77. The gentleman's name is Woodrow Durenberger. He's driving home from work. Worked at a factory. I feel like I'm just playing a Alabama song. Or like an Eric Clapton song or something. But he's driving home. This UFO of some nature flies by, like directly over him, flies by him on the highway. Lands on the highway. Blocks the road. And a person steps out. The guy stops his car because we're friendly West Virginians. And he alleges that he is actually communicated to telepathically by the Thing, person human the figure the they them yeah and says its name is indrid cold yeah and the only thing he describes on this character because it's just a silhouette he sees really besides the big toothy grin and creepy eyes the only thing he says or only thing he says he sees the creature starts like interrogating him telepathically like where are you going where, you know, all these weird questions gets back on the ship and just takes off. That's it. That's the encounter. And he does nothing. 
He reports it to the police and says what happens. They write a report and that's it. I've I've heard about Indrid Cold in passing and mainly also from the Mothman prophecies. Mm-hmm. We never get to see him. We only hear his voice, but he's he truly lives up to his name of Cold. Like he, the voice is very cold and uh, aloof off-putting yeah like truly views humans as lesser creatures yeah so yeah first two major encounters of 66 happened on november 1st and 2nd now that i've got that one out of the way i'm going to go back a little bit and describe this tnt area the wildlife management area that i talked about earlier yeah used to be a 45 million dollar munitions factory is that in today's money or was that in that That was back then oh god that was back before, that was pre-World War II money. <sighs> so that's like a one, I would assume probably 1.2 billion, 1.3 maybe. What was that, 1966 you said? It was actually manufactured in, I believe, 1920s was when it first opened. That but, would now be, oh, oh my God. <clears throat> uh, if 45 million from 1920 to now in 2023 would be it would be the equivalent of six hundred and sixty seven million seven hundred ninety three thousand two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of of black cats and fireworks. It's not <laughs> it's not quite a it's, billion. It's not it's quite not a billion. Far, it's not like, quite a billion, but it's still pretty big. Yeah. So was used in that time frame, but was actually abandoned shortly after World War II. So it was basically, it was a pop-up business for World War II, like a lot of stuff was. A lot of factories popped up to build munitions and machines and vehicles. And then after World War II, got abandoned. I, I, feel I have no idea why you're laughing. I'm <laughs> because, I ha- because it's TNT munitions pop up explosions. I, I'm bad for thinking that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what he's making us listen to. The look of exacerbation on Tony's face is hilarious to me right now. If if Tim doesn't make it to the next episode, I was at my house the entire time, I swear. And he'll just <laughs> say the Mothman did it. Exactly. Ha! Uh-oh. <laughs> anyway, so the TNT area was abandoned after World War II, like a lot of stuff was, I'm sure. Um, 1960s rolled around, started becoming the lover's lane, drag strip, teenage hangout kind of place. Very familiar with those. Yeah. We got, every town has one. Every small town especially. Yeah. So we're going to segue from that's what it turned into, purpose-wise, to the first major encounter within that air criteria. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've heard of it. It's probably the most famous encounter involved Steve. At the time, these two couples weren't married, obviously. They were teenagers, early 20s. Steve and Mary Mallet and Roger and Linda Scarberry. Mm-hmm. Driving a 57 Bel Air, because I love cars, I have to mention that. Absolutely. November 18th, 1966. The two couples are cruising around the TNT area, Specifically near the North Power Plant. That's going to come back in around a lot. About 11 p.m., you know, yeah. normal teenage time. Yeah. And they actually see a 
grayish black man standing by the road. Well, like a dark gray, yeah, dark gray figure. Yeah, figure, a silhouette. Yeah. Obviously, they didn't have halogen LED lights back in the day, so whatever the 57 Bel Air was shining on him. Flashed the lights at it to see what it was, and it started hobbling away. Sort of like Gollum in Lord of the Rings, just starts like hobbling back into the brush. Like a like a weird shuffle. Yeah. Sort of, like a weird shamble. Like, um, like an orangutan. Yes. Like that just real awkward gait. They get, they see it, freak out a little bit, obviously, I would too. Yeah. They get back to the main roads, get onto a Route 62, um, and start heading back south, back towards Point Pleasant. Mothman starts chasing them. <sighs> At speed. How fast do you think a 57 Bel Air runs? I'm going to say a 50, what did you say, 50, 55, 50, 57. A 57 Bel Air, I was right, 57, I was going to say 57. A 57 Bel Air, I think it would make a top speed of at least... Maybe 60 at the time? They were doing 95. I'm bad at math. <laughs> but man, do I not do math good. Yeah, they were hauling at 90, 95 miles an hour away from this thing. And that thing is catching speed at 90. No, it is keeping pace. Oh, even worse. Eye contact with the couples. <sighs> like... You know when you were a kid and you're on a road trip with your family and you have, like, the imaginary creature... That you're watching bound you're wa- along the... Yeah, no, that happened. <laughs> this happened in reality. <laughs> <laughs> this is real life. This happened to them. Keeps pace with them all the way to the city limits. So basically, it escorts them out of its territory. <laughs> yeah, that's not terrifying at all. <sighs> they all report it. Of course. Makes the f- It's the first big article about mothman and i will say this later on in the documentary i watched and following through with it linda scarberry one of the couples or one of the females of the two groups i witnessed this thing 18 times mm-hmm. no yeah, that... absolutely not no yeah that thing was stalking her yeah after this encounter it just gets worse for point pleasant in the tnt area in general uh, kind of an ironic thing. It gets worse for a place called Pleasant. Right. The UFO sightings just jump from a couple in a, every so often, almost daily, for weeks. UFO encounters, Mothman encounters. I'm not going to go over all of them because there's so many. But Mothy is most frequently spotted, like I said, at this North Power Plant building. Yeah. Big, anywhere... Depending on the eyewitness count, three to five story building. Mm-hmm. Abandoned is the main power plant building of the munitions factories. The next major encounter. A gentleman named Bob Bosworth and friend, his name is Al. Didn't get a last name out of the encounter. Happened, I believe they said it was November 19th, 20th. So not very long after the initial major encounter. Again... Two gentlemen are riding their motorcycles at night around this area, which, why would you? Bob's statement said it was an insanely bright moonlight that night. It was a full moon, no clouds, gorgeous lighting. So him and Al kill their headlights on their motorcycles and ride by moonlight. You're somebody who, you're somebody who is a biker. You ride motorcycles. Yes, I've been riding for, you know, a little bit. For a few, you've been riding for a while. 
Yeah. That right there, though, that like even I know that like that's that's, that's so e- stupid. That's not even a thing that happens on bikes anymore. Like that is a pre nineteen seventy seven or seventy eight. I think is when they started making motorcycles where you can't have a kill switch. Like it's either regular beam or high beam. There is no kill switch to your headlight. I never noticed that until now. Mm-hmm. Huh. So they're riding by moonlight around this TNT area, a road that has been abandoned for 30 plus years or for 20 plus years. And this is out in, this is out in the country. Yeah. In so West Virginia. So there's potholes. So there's potholes. There's all the trees. There's all the animals. And of course, you know, giant flying men named Mothman. And I was going to no, say, no big deal. And I was going to say, you know, no, no light minus the moon, but yeah. sometimes you can't even rely on the moon for the light. No. And this is where it turns into a Scooby-Doo episode. Uh-oh, here we go. Roro <laughs> Raggy. Hey, you said Scooby-Doo. I'm so disappointed that we did that in the same tone. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob and Al are riding around, and they see on the North Power Plant, on the very top of the building, this figure with bright red eyes. Da-da-da! <laughs> Say you and me are riding motorcycle. Well, I'm riding a motorcycle. You're in the sidecar because that's how that would actually happen. Yeah, I'm too much of a chicken to get on a motorcycle. I'll own up. I'm too much of a chicken. <laughs> so say we're doing that. I killed the kill or killed the headlight for because I'm a genius. And we see that. What's your what's your thought process on that? We're riding around in the middle of the night and we see red eyes on top of a building. Let's see. I try to yell at you and be like, "I bought it my bells." <laughs> I was going to say, are, are you doing like me and Malcolm? Must go faster. Must go faster. While also shitting myself, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd very much be like, must go faster. Must go faster. Must While go, li- oh no. <laughs> no, Bob and Al, stop. They stop and look at the thing? Oh no, 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 no. They stop at the building, get off their bikes, and walk up to the entrance. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'll let you continue. I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to hold my thoughts. They get to the main entrance, and this is what Bob, they, I, this bio or this documentary recorded what Bob's encounter was like for him. Bob and Al walked up to the main entrance, looked up, and it's looking down at them from the top. In this moment, Tim, what would you do? Let's see. I've already shat my pants. Mm-hmm. You've already impersonated Jeff Goldblum. Yep. Uh, while while sitting. While, while leaning back very, very handsomely. No. Uh, a man can dream. Uh, what I would do, I would... I would pretty much pull a Shaggy and go, Hey, let's go back. Like, let's go away now. Let's go to the back to the mystery machine, man. I'd be smart about it, but I'm going to guess that these guys decided to press on. Bob and Al go inside the building. Uh, where's your sense of adventure, Al? Come on! Bob and Al get halfway up the building of this abandoned, dilapidated factory building. Oh boy, that's... Walking up the stairs, knowing there's a thing with big red eyes at the top. Guess what meets them halfway up? They, their red-eyed figure? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, Mothy meets them halfway up. Or... Meets him at the halfway point. Like, yeah. you came up, I went down. What's up? They're stared at by the creature. And this is where it gets a little less cohesive. 
and that may be coincidental, but the red sheen, the red glow is gone. And Bob's theory was that it was inside and they were on one side of a broken glass window with the light shining in. And this thing was on the other side of the light. So his theory was there's no light shining on it. So the glow's gone, but they see the figure. It's bigger than them. Bob was in his low six foot range. And so was Al. This thing stares at him and just like stares at Al, stares at Bob, stares at Al, stares at Bob. Turns, walks onto one of the catwalks and second, third story up, like they're not on the ground. And it just drops off the catwalk, spreads its wings and flies somewhere. They hear the glass crunching. They see it. They see the movement. They see the muscles like just, you know, the veins sort of thing. Into the wind. Mothman did his little turn on the catwalk. <laughs> yes. Mothman did a walk on the... Little turn on the catwalk. Shut up. <laughs> so, Tim. Ow. <laughs> I didn't hit him. I wanted to, but I didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's the other major encounter that happened. I don't know what Bob and Al were drinking prior to this, but it must have been very strong. Because there's no way in hell. I mean... In the middle of the day, no. I mean, they said they described seeing... I mean, they said described seeing, like, the muscles moving underneath. That's... That's detail. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. It was creepy. So... In the course of two or three weeks, all of this starts popping off. All these encounters, all these sightings, all these testimonies. They actually get a couple of professors of biology, you know, in the relative realm of what could this be sort of thing. Get a couple of professors from WVU, West Virginia University. Their best guess is it's a sandhill crane that drank some gammy water from the TNT area, you know, had some had some chemicals in it and it mutated. So, yeah, what would what would your assumption be about what this Mothman was? Cuz clearly it's a sandhill crane with some bad water. So we have another sandhill crane story, huh? Yeah, that's it was the biggest culprits might have been an owl, a sandhill crane, an egret. I mean, I've heard the whole thing about people thinking that Mothman was an was a barn owl cuz if you've ever seen a barn owl, yeah. they have that resplendent white face, which they can it can be a little spooky looking if you're Yeah, if you're not, not expecting it. Yeah. But barn owls get three feet. They don't wingspan. get they don't get very big. No. So stuff starts tapering off a little bit towards the end of November. And then another major two players, and actually you've touched a little bit on him already with his work. But John Keel, author of The Mothman Prophecies, turned it and it got turned into a movie in 2002, came from New York to Point Pleasant and teamed up with a Mary Heyer. Mary Heyer was a reporter for the Athens Messenger in Ohio, the Athens, Ohio local paper. Yeah. Had a continual article piece or piece in the newspaper called where the waters mingle. And it was basically 
a daily report of Mothman sightings and UFO and sightings. And she did this all through 65, what little ones happened, and then when 66 happened, really started rolling the ball. The weird connection she has is her niece actually had an encounter with a Mothman, and this is the weird part. Her niece actually contracted clinic conjunctivitis, which is severe itching and, and watering in the eyes and bloodshot, like hard bloodshot eyes. After that encounter, she really started to ramp up her article and turn it into a daily thing. And John Keel got wind of it and teamed up with her and they started corresponding with each other and basically did a team up trying to figure and trying to get a collection of this together for his work and for her. And once that started happening, kind of rolls back into the UFOs and the Grinning Man and Injured Cold. Yep. And this is where all the Mothman prophecy stuff and he shows up again. Keel's mail had was intercepted multiple occasions. He had calls that he found out were traced. Couldn't find who was tracing them, but found out they were traced. They were bugged. Ooh. Was interrogated on his doorstep by Men in Black. I was about to say. Mm-hmm. So, all that happened late, late, late November, early, early December. And that's when it sort of started dying off again. And then December rolls around, starts going back up with the sightings. There's five different pilots that claim to have witnessed an airplane-sized bird. Granted, I don't know if they're talking about a 737 or a Cessna. I would. But either way, that's a big bird. Man. Yeah. Sesame Street's going to be a lot different now. Yeah, man. That big bird's really gone at it. <laughs> so, and the actual, the men in black, the alleged men in black, actually start intimidating other witnesses, interrogating them on their doorsteps and at home. You know, where'd you see this UFO? What time? Yeah. You know, all these weird kind of questions of specifically their sightings. There's actually a woman that almost got kidnapped. Her, her blouse got ripped off her. Her sleeve got ripped off her blouse because they were trying to pull her into a car. A black sedan. That's terrifying enough. Yeah, black suits, blacked out windows on a black sedan. Yeah. And, especially, and this was the 1960s, so it was definitely possibly like one of those Cadillacs yeah, or something. Yeah, it was definitely Lincoln or a Cadillac something. Lincoln, home of the, home of the black men in black. <laughs> Since 1960. <laughs> That's a rousing endorsement for Lincoln, isn't it? Uh, we're not being sponsored by Lincoln. Well, I'm not Matthew McConaughey, so. Ah, Clearly. boy. The car drives you. <laughs> anyway, so the Men in Black incidences start ramping up a little bit. UFO sightings start going up again. Same with the Mothman. All the way until November of 67. So, so there's a whole year of all this stuff just day after day after day. Mothman sighting, <laughs> UFO, Mothman, UFO, UFO. Almost every day. Keel and Hire are just... I'm sure they had arthritis at this point writing so much. Yeah, carpal but, tunnel. Yeah. And then, the one other thing you knew about finally hits... December 15th, 1967. Yep. Silver Bridge. This thing. Holy crap. Just some of the numbers. There was 46 dead. 
nine injured. And again, December 15th, 10 days before Christmas, everyone's out, you know, shopping for Christmas, going to plays, you know, school plays, all this stuff. 5 p.m. on a Friday. Yeah. So, like, primetime traffic, too, if you had to think about it. Congestion. Multiple semis on the bridge. Mm -hmm. Multiple cars. The worst time. Absolutely. Just crazy. The bridge was actually constructed in 1928. It was actually the first I-bar suspension bridge of its variants in the U.S. So it was kind of experimental, but not really. Yeah. The cause of the bridge failing and falling apart was a failed I-bar joint and, and poor weld. It's kind of amazing, really. Yeah. When something something so small and something so oh, yeah. big can lead to just a massive destruction. It truly is like the ember, truly is like an ember before the fire. Yeah. And the descriptions, because they had people that were there at the time that saw it happen, or just recent, or right after it happened. What happened was the bridge gave way on one side and dumped that side of the bridge, or those cars into the water, and the ricochet launched the bridge the other way and dropped those cars, and then the whole bridge just straight down. And like I said, 46 dead, 9 injured, like, holy crap. But the reason I bring that up is because Mothman allegedly was seen on the bridge a couple hours prior. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard alleged because even the people in the in this documentary and what I've read on websites, it's kind of open to what was actually there, if anything. Open to speculation. Yeah. But immediately after that, obviously... No one cared about UFOs or Men in Black or Mothman. You know, everyone was attending to the actual crisis at hand. Yeah. But yeah, it was just the crescendo to the Mothman saga for two for two solid years, just nightmare fuel. And there was one gentleman that said, middle of the night, 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, he got up because he heard, Cars driving by on the road, he looked, you know, got up to look. Maybe it was kids, you know, drag racing. Looked outside, didn't see anything, and he's on the second story of his house. Looks back to his right, and he sees Mothman in his room. Ah! Yeah. And this happened in six, uh, early 67, I believe. And it was a hallucination he was having, because he said every time he blinked, it sort of faded away. But the effect that Mothman had on people to where they were having waking nightmares, basically, to this thing. And same description, big red eyes, big hulking figure, arched, you know, sort of arched wing form. Can't really see a head. Yeah, because the other description is no neck, (laughs) just head on shoulders. Multiple accounts like that, multiple flyby, you know, incidences. And it seemed... To always never really leave that TNT area, except for the the few, you know, eighty miles away, like that one encounter. Yeah, you know, a couple of those, but mostly all in Point Pleasant or right next door in that TNT area. 
theory is that that was its territory. It was nesting there or whatever it was monsters do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much all it had because as soon as that bridge collapse happened, nothing. It That makes a question on it. Was Mothman a harbinger of doom looking to bring about the destruction of this bridge? Or yeah. was Mothman just warning people that the bridge was happening? Yeah. We're, and that's... We're, we're, I mean, whether Mothman did exist or not, I mean, just considering the fact that it was also the 60s. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't have nearly as much connection to uh, various medic- specific medications we have nowadays. And everything was by ear and hearsay, so easier yeah. to get spooked by a lot of stuff. And it is West Virginia. There's a lot of animals out there. There are sandhill cranes, there are owls, there are eagles and falcons, hawk, all these predatory birds that are large in stature, even standing. Yeah. Um, there's deer, there's bear, there's all sorts of things. But to have two solid years of almost daily reports, on top of the almost daily reports of UFOs and these weird men in black sort of s- scattered in there for good effect... That's got that's a little concerning because then something's in the water, quite literally, possibly with the TNT area, or there was something out there. Yeah, and it granted Mothman isn't st- stuck in just those two years. It happened a lot, a little bit before, all the way back to the 1910s, and there's an occasional glimpse of it nowadays. I think the last one that had any gravitas to it, I think, was in 07, 08, and it was the same sort of thing. Big big wings, middle of the night, saw a flyby, that was it. You know, there actually is, actually I'm going to bring something up about this, because mm-hmm. there actually is a something a little bit similar to this, Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, in April, allegedly, you know, just before the... Reactor for the Chernobyl power plant went up uh, in April. Yeah. Allegedly, people saw a large black bird-like creature with glowing red eyes. Yeah. So, so that, that, that's an alleged thing. I'm not yeah. whether it existed or whether it existed or it was just whether it was just you know the nuclear fumes or whatever messing with yeah. people's heads. But that does make a weird connection because it is Chernobyl in this TNT area while not being radioactive, still had a lot of chemical yeah. play into play. So that makes me curious as whether that's some weird connection or if there's maybe some big freaking terrifying bird just happens to roam, you know. I've played Fallout. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and there's... And there's a Mothman in Fallout 76 in, in that game. In fact, Mothman's made itself... Made itself at home in pop culture nowadays. It has. I mean, there's, in Point Pleasant, there's still a Mothman Festival in September every year. And there's a statue. Yeah. Big. And I've, big seen, that, I've seen that statue. That They made Mothman a hunk. Yeah. Mothman is ripped. Yep. <laughs> I actually do have a couple of Mothman stories oh, from good. my childhood. I'm not even kidding you. I'm kidding. Yeah. It, they didn't happen to me. But they happened to some schoolmates of mine. Okay. And I'll even send you I'll even send you the photos. So back in the early two thousands was a show 
back in the early 2000s on Animal Planet was a show called Animal X, Natural mm. Monster Unit. Oh my god, I still remember, yeah, I oh, man. remember that. And they had an episode, they had an episode about winged creatures, and one of the segments was about Mothman. Now the thing is, the costume that they used for Mothman was pretty fucking terrifying. Jesus. Like, they just made, the, they painted the guy, they painted the actor gray, and they put him in this suit, but the glowing red eyes was pretty terrifying, and some of the footage that yeah. they used for it was also nightmare-inducing, because they showed a dramatization of the Scarberry chase, and it's just the actor running, like, essentially running beside the car, looking with its looking with his big fake red eyes into the... And it was just jarring. It was an immediate, like, almost jump scare when it happened. Yeah. Ah, uh, it was... I vaguely remember that. It was... It was but, the, but what happened was, two people that I went to school with at the time, we were in fourth grade, yeah. I was in fourth grade at the time. Uh, one of them had a nightmare that they saw the Mothman, like, like the glowing red eyes and everything, and then the other said that he saw a pair of red eyes looking at him through his window. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. I was, and I was like, nothing happened to me. Mm. So I definitely think, so they probably just, they both dreamed it, but like the yeah. fact that, but that Mothman, that, that scared the crap out of me when it came out. And there oh, was man. even, and there was even uh, about a decade ago or so, a, a Mothman movie made by The Asylum. Uh, the, 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 for, for sci-fi. Oh, for the sci-fi channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this one, this one was terrifying because it was a specter-like wraith creature yeah. that lived in mirrors. And, inst- and it, Ooh. and it quote-unquote had a head, but it was like this rounded, no definition minus a large screaming face with glowing red eyes. And there was somebody who, there was this old man character who had encountered the Mothman, and he said the only way to deal with it is to not see it. So the big reveal on the old man who was wearing sunglasses the entire time is he didn't have his eyes. Like, they were gone. Jeez. Yeah. A little dramatic, but okay. Yeah, they combined, they combined, they actually made it so that this Mothman was the result of the Chief Cornstalk curse. They made it so that, like, it was Cornstalk's spirit, I want to say. I haven't uh, seen the movie in a while. So they went with a lot more of a they went very geisty. They went very much in-depth with it, and Mothman, like, would get out of the mirrors in the, from the spirit world and cause mayhem throughout. It, yeah. it attacked the Mothman, attacked the Mothman Festival. It was a whole thing. Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah, Mothman, great, fun. Yeah. Sounds like a swell guy. Ah, uh, that uh, Mothman's definitely one of the creatures when I was a kid that creeped me out the most because not only was it not only was you know the physically imposing figure with mm-hmm. wings and red eyes, but the fact that the way it walked, it didn't walk on all fours. It didn't just walk. It didn't walk on all fours like a bear or something or a cat. It didn't walk like a human. It shambled as if yeah. it had difficulty walking, as if it wasn't used to walking. Yep, which. That's like a lot of birds. If you ever watch most birds that don't use their legs, they're hopping around or they're just weird, weirdly moving. Yeah. And a lot of the encounters, a lot of them, never flapped his wings when he took off. Just sort of like, like a helicopter and just sort of took vertical sh- uh, 
jump and just, I don't want to say floated away, but that's basically it. He just sort of took off and vanished. Yeah. Which like, is. Never flapped his wings, never did anything. Which is very in, which is very inhuman and unnatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was something in the water or a, or a bird or anything, we'll never know. Yeah. And I know that. It was several, like several years ago. I remember reading that uh, Linda Scarberry had passed away. A lot of the, a lot of the original eyewitnesses have passed away, and a lot of them passed away, you know, 02 to twenty ten range. Yeah, because that was a, you know, if they were in their twenties in the sixties, yeah, they were going to be. They were in pushing the, the in their eighties by then. Yeah, seventies, so. eighties. Yeah. So layout, but which is actually you know pretty good considering yeah. that I've heard there's been other stories about otherworldly encounters where the people die you know shortly you know shortly after yeah. due to getting tumors or something yeah. just significantly worse and the two main people mary hire and john keel the the reporter author duo um mary actually passed away in february 15th of 1970 um so a while ago um and john keel uh passed away in 2009 in july so they married, passed away from a, a medical-related thing, um, and John just passed away, I think, from old age itself. So a lot of these people are really are gone, and the few that are still around were five, six. You know, they were young children when this was all happening, so their ability to recount the tales is literally just from what they were told at that time. So it's getting harder and harder to maintain the legend from eyewitness accounts because now we're getting into the second, third generation of being passed down. Yeah. And that that's what sucks about it is because these encounters, any one of them could be a horror movie. Any single one of them could be a horror movie. Just by themselves or a horror short. But, I mean, to combine it with all of the amount of encounters, 100 plus decently credible sightings of mothman all the ufos injured cold you know the men in black all interrogating kidnapping people all this stuff could just be a plethora of movies and video like it's insane and thankfully the people of point pleasant have capitalized on it with the mothman festival and you know all this is sort of coming back to them to help gain from it that's something I've wanted to do, actually. I have wanted to go to the Mothman Festival yeah, just absolutely. to just to be like, yeah, gonna have yep, yeah, just here to have some fun. Yeah. So, but that was my episode. Uh, that was actually he's Mothman has probably been one in my top five favorite cryptids for a long time. Oh yeah, just because well, of how transcending it is from just being a cryptid into the UFOs and into the supernatural. Oh realm, yeah. Even there's a whole. So, like, Mothman definitely has done a lot, and the fact that it's now been a part—it's now become such a major part of pop culture. Mm-hmm. And, and I made my jokes earlier about you know the Mothman and the light and everything. That people have been doing that joke for a while now too. I've come across quite a few. And oh I, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Point Pleasant has a book of them. <laughs> and that's been our episode for the Mothman, which. Some of those I didn't know about. I knew about the graveyard, knew about the gravediggers yeah. and the and the Scarberry. And oh yeah, everyone knows the Scarberry one. That's the you're biggest. into this realm of that's interest. The, yeah, that's the biggest one. But that's but some of those like the earlier stories I didn't know about much, which I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, 
But yeah, our, the context was definitely needed for for Mothman. The whole picture was definitely. Oh yeah. But our next our next episode, we're gonna be going old school with it, everybody. So stick around next time. But before we go, I want to say th- once again, uh, thank you all for listening to Tall and Short with Tim and Tony. He's Tim. And he's Tony. Uh, and we were not sponsored by Lincoln. Absolutely. <laughs> but if you uh, but if you like this, you can interact with us on our socials. We also have our email, tallandshortpod at gmail.com. That is T-A-L-L-A-N-D-S-H-O-R-T-P-O-D at gmail.com. 